Please be seated. It's great to be here again this morning. And can I start out by thanking Laurie for um, leading us in worship. It was great. And just, I was struck again through communion about what Jesus did, how he humbled himself, came as a baby, lived a life that we could never live. And that's why we're here, isn't it? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. So Laurie, thank you very much for that. Um, I'd also need to say that uh, this morning... I've been smelling the roast dinner that Nat's been cooking for us, uh, that we're going to be sharing in uh, all, uh, afterwards. And so I stand up here with a rumbly tummy, uh, very, very hungry. So if I'm speaking fast, it's because I'm trying to get through so that I can go and get lunch. So we're talking about not being selfish, but that's probably my confession of selfishness this morning. So, but it's great to be here. I've been really enjoying going through Romans. Uh, I hope that it's been a blessing to you as we go through Romans. And we're up to Romans 10. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 10. And once again, we're just going to be working our way through Romans 10. Um, before we start, let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the blessing that he is for to us. We thank you that he came, he died He rose again and he lives. We thank you that he is our Lord. He is our high priest. It is because of him that we have salvation. Father, we just come with a thankful heart and praise you because of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time I spoke, spoke, we looked at Romans 9. In Romans 9, uh, we chased a few rabbit holes. But remember, Paul was really talking about the question and raised the question, has God's word taken no effect? That's the question that he raised. What he was really saying is, can we trust God? If God says something, if he promises something, will it come to fruition? Can we really trust God? And we looked at some of the promises um, and we discovered that those promises are still being played out today. And we are in Jesus Christ, we are recipients of other promises. But we will see Jesus Christ fulfill all of the promises someday. And so we can answer that affirming yes, yes. But the reason that question was being asked is because in chapters 7 and 8, or in chapter 7, Paul says, we have died to the law. And he was speaking to the Jews and he's saying, we have died completely to the law. And so they, they were starting to ask, well, hang on, Jesus instigated or Yahweh instigated the law to us. Now you're saying the law has died. And in chapter 8, he says, but in Jesus Christ, all of the promises are fulfilled. In Jesus Christ, we are blessed and all of the blessings that were promised are found in him. And so then the question that the Jews raised was, well, can now we trust him that his word is faithful? And it's here that we pick it up. Um, chapter 10. So he's answered, yes, God is faithful. Now in 10 verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. These are Paul's brethren. Paul is an Israelite through and through. And he's saying, I would long for all of Israel to be saved. But remember last week, we discovered that we are saved by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. It has always been the same. It has always been about our faithfulness. Even way back in the days of Abraham, when God's promise came to him, it was a promise received by 
faith. And so God's word has not changed. So he says, I wish, my heart's desire is that all of Israel would be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. That they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You've probably, like me, heard the saying, all roads lead to God. Have you heard that? All roads lead to God. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter who you believe in. If you believe in Buddha or Muhammad and the Muslim faith, the New Age, the list goes on. Maybe you don't believe in any God, but you're just a good person. It's okay because all roads lead to God. Choose whichever one you want and we'll all party in heaven and we'll all laugh about the things we argued about in how we got there. Paul says categorically, no. No, that is not the case. It does not matter how much zeal you have towards God. It does not matter what you do. Your zeal, your passion for God will never see you saved. It is never enough. The Jewish people had no ends of passion, had no ends of zeal. They pursued God from generation to generation. They were desperate to try and be the best person, the best people, the best nation that they could be. They put, had all these rules and they put all these rules on other people and they taught other people about the rules of God. But salvation is not theirs through their zeal. It does not matter how passionate you are. It does not how much matter how much you chase God. Salvation does not come from you and what you do. This is a critically important point for us to understand. It is salvation, righteousness, is beyond our earning. This is something we absolutely need to understand. This, is a, this passage of scripture is one of the most critical passages of scripture in my belief for us to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is beyond our ability to earn it. And we must remember this in our dealings with fellow Christians. We must remember this with non-Christians alike. Are we teaching them? Are we introducing them to Jesus or in fact, are we introducing them to rules and regulations? What do our words say? What does our actions convey to them? What are we communicating? What is it that is more important to you? Verse 3 continues this theme and it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Who? The Jews who chased God uh, with a zeal, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. It is God's righteousness, not our own. If we place more importance on our own righteousness than that of God's, then we are no better off than the Pharisees. It is God's righteousness given to us through Jesus Christ, that we are clothed in. What does our righteousness, it's important to us, doesn't it, to understand what, when we try and impose our own righteousness, when we try and clothe ourselves with our own righteousness, 
What are some hints that we might be doing that? What does that look like? Because we can all stumble, we can all fall back into that, can't we? So here's a few clues. A feeling of being self-important will give you a clue that you're clothing yourself in your own self-righteousness. Of being judgmental towards others. Being too aware of your own image, of how you look to others. Focusing on your sin is another thing that will give you a clue that you're focusing on your righteousness and not the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Words such as, I have to. Words such as, I must or I should. Ara gives us a glimpse that maybe we've taken our eyes off Jesus and his righteousness and we're trying to earn it, trying to do it. Then there is also imposing things on other people, teaching them through either our words or our actions that self-righteousness is more important. So what would that look like? And again, again, uh, words such as you should. Who uses that word? You should. Or you must. Or pointing out their sinfulness and their sin and drawing attention to their actions. What we're actually communicating is what you need to do. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ is about what Jesus Christ has done. They will only get to know um, this when we do that and teach other people. They will only get to know a place of bondage when we talk about rules and regulations. So why not bypass that? Because the only answer to break through that bondage is Jesus Christ. So let's bypass all those steps, all of those rules and regulations, and let's just introduce them, talk to them about Jesus Christ and what he has done. And encourage them to rest in him, to lean upon him, to draw upon him, to engage in his word so that the spirit can guide you and them. Let's inspire, let the word of God inspire and direct you and just receive his goodness with a thankful heart. And that thankfulness, I'm convinced that thankfulness is a critical component that you see in people who rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A thankful heart as opposed to a judgmental heart. Verse 4 carries on and it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Believes in what? Everyone who believes, believes in what? Here we have to go back and I've drawn our attention to this time and time again. Romans 1 verse 16. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. This gospel of Christ is the power of salvation. This gospel of Christ, when we believe in him and the works that he has done, it is the fulfillment, the completion of the law. It is the completion of what we had to do. The Jews and even many Christians today are still trying to earn this righteousness through what they do, through right behaviour, through right doing, rather than right believing. And I just heard a key word, works, through works, rather than being led by the Spirit. 
let me tell you that the law says don't do. I'll just take a couple. The law says don't lie. The law says don't commit adultery. The Spirit says let me walk with you and we will tell the truth. The Spirit says love your wife. I will give you a love within you that you can draw upon to love your wife passionately. You see, the law focuses on what not to do. The Spirit focuses on what he will do in and through us. Jesus Christ has completely fulfilled the law and done and dusted with it, but the law says, come on. And as you follow the Spirit, do you know what? The law is being fulfilled again, isn't it? Because we are doing the right thing, not because we have to, but because the Spirit directs us and gives us the power to overcome. Does that make sense? The law says, don't do this. The Spirit says, come with me and we will conquer and we will focus. So don't focus on what not to do. Focus on Jesus Christ and that just falls away and his love rises up within you. Do you know what? As we focus on him, we'll mess up. Let's admit it. We will mess up at times. Absolutely. But that's okay. That is okay. He will draw your gaze back to himself and together you can continue on the journey. Together you can continue on the journey. In Matthew 11.30 it says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Do you know what he's actually saying? And this is what leading into verses 5, 6, 7 and 8. He's saying, follow me because I will give you my righteousness and you will no longer have to try and earn it. For that is a heavy read. Verse 5 says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law and says, The man who does those things shall live by them. If you want to live by the law, if you want to seek your own righteousness, there is no letting up. This is what Moses says. There is no letting up. Second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, there is no letting up. Every moment you have to pursue your own righteousness. You have to do the right thing and you have to chase. And if ever you mess up, Satan himself will be there and condemn you and will say, look, look, you're not righteous. You're not good enough because you've just messed up. And even if you don't mess up in a big way, he'll still be there going, you're fooling yourself. And he'll condemn you. You're not good enough. And even if you get everything right, do you know what? It's still not enough because you were born into sin. And your works can't earn your way out of that. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came and died and said, I have paid the price. Believe in me for salvation and my righteousness. That's the good news. My burden is light. You can either try and pursue your own righteousness and that is a heavy gig. That is a heavy burden to carry. Or you can come to me and I will clothe you with my righteousness. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you don't do. You will always be righteous. And you've heard me say before, when you believe in Jesus Christ, 
You are the most righteous person who's ever walked the face of the earth. Does not matter what you do or do not do because it is his righteousness that you've been clothed in. You can try. You can try and earn your way. You can try and do it. You can try and do works or law. You can try in your flesh to be the best person. Or you could just go, I can't do it. I cannot live that life. I am not good enough. I will never earn it. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And in that moment, in that moment of your declaration of saying, I need Jesus, everything that you've been trying to earn is given to you. In that moment where you go, I am not good enough, Jesus, I need you. He says, great, now receive everything that you've ever needed, that you've ever wanted. Here is my righteousness. Here is my blessing given to you. For he is the end of the law. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Verse 6. But the righteousness of of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend from the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. You see, what this is meaning is you don't need to go to the heavens. You don't need to go to the depths. You don't need to go to the ends of the world. You don't need to cross the oceans. You don't need to climb the mountains to try and earn your righteousness. Because when you try and earn your righteousness, you actually bring Christ down and say your work, your completed works is not good enough. You actually rise him up from where he went and conquered the grave and said your actions are not good enough. I still need to. But in Jesus Christ, it is done and it is dusted and his works are good enough. Live as though that truth, that belief is truth in your life. Jesus Christ is good enough. Jesus Christ's completed work has done it all. You do not need to do anything other than to receive. Receive his goodness. Receive his blessings. Receive his salvation and his righteousness because it is done and dusted in him. John Gill, a famous theologian, put it like this. The law is not in heaven that it should be said, Oh, that we have had one of us, as Moses the prophet, who could go up to heaven and bring it to us. Nor is it beyond the great sea that it should be said, Oh, that we had one of us as Jonah the prophet, who could descend into the depths of the great sea and bring it to us. You see, we don't need anyone special. We don't need another prophet. We don't need anything else because we have Jesus Christ who has ascended, come from heaven, who has gone to the depths for your salvation. He has done it. Verse 8, carrying on, says, But what does it say? The word is in you. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, that is how salvation is found. 
That is how righteousness is given to us. It is that easy. If you want salvation, confess the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again and he lives today. You confess that you are saved. Nothing else is required. If you want to have righteousness and become righteous, believe that truth in your heart and you are righteous. My burden is easy. And my yoke is light, Jesus says. Isn't it good to know? Isn't it good to know that it requires nothing of us other than to confess and believe? Wow, that takes the burden off you, doesn't it? Wow, there's a lightness there. Stop trying to earn your righteousness for you lose that battle every time and you will become bitter and twisted in the process. And just believe unto righteousness and be set free in the process. And you'll become light and be thankful in Jesus Christ for what he has done. Hallelujah. How good is that? For the scripture says, and this is Paul going on, stating the truth. Confess unto salvation, believe unto righteousness. And now he's going to go on and show the Jews And look, this is not a new teaching. This was in the Old Testament. This was in your scriptures right from the beginning. And he says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And that was in Isaiah. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is is in Joel. And Paul is pointing to their scriptures, saying, I'm not preaching something new, but you missed the truth. You missed the goodness that it's always been by faith. And now it's faith in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our our salvation. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Do you know what? You and I have those beautiful feet. You and I are the holders of the truth. We hold it in in our hearts. And the way we communicate, the way that we live, the way that we share should be a message that brings peace, should be a good message, not a message that is about judgmentalism, We should not be judging anyone because Jesus Christ doesn't judge you. For he bore all of that judgment himself. And as Christians, we're not out there pointing to their sins. For the gospel says it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So let's point to his goodness. Let's point to his love. Let's point to his blessing. Let's point to his salvation. Let's point to his righteousness, his truth, his peace, his joy. Not their sinfulness. The Spirit will convict them of that as they look towards a loving Father and a gracious God. Let us be people, as it says here, who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. This is the message, glad tidings of good things, a gospel of peace. 
This is the message that we hold. This is the message that's in our heart. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And this is the last verse I want to look at. This is, I love this verse. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. It's so important. Make sure when you're listening to messages about Jesus Christ, that it is message that builds your faith. It is not one. Build your faith in Jesus Christ. Make sure that what you listen builds up your faith. That when you are studying someone's teaching, make sure that it points to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, the gospel of truth, so that your faith will be built up. Not one that tears you down, not one that condemns you, not one that points out your faults, but one that points out the glorious nature of Jesus Christ, one that points out who you are in him. Because as you learn, learn, and the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ is revealed, it builds your faith. And you can stand going, I am the son or I am the daughter of the Most High God. I sit in the seat of privilege at the right hand of him, my father, in the seat of blessing. If he did not withhold his son, his most precious thing, his most precious son, he will not withhold anything for me. Whatever I ask of him is done. See how it builds up your faith when you discover and learn the truth. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this. Let me just find it. I love this verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How does grace and peace be multiplied to you? In the knowledge, in the knowledge of Yahweh and his son, Jesus Christ. So you want to see more grace in your life? You want to see more peace in your life? Discover the greater truths about his love for you. Discover greater truths about who he is for you. What do you have to do to get more grace and more peace? Sit at his feet and rest in him. And grace and peace will be multiplied to you. Can you see the goodness? Can you see the lightness? My burden is easy. My yoke is light. What does it require from you? Sit down and know the love of the Father and of him who came, Jesus Christ, your Savior. That's it. And as you pour into the truth of that and discover the goodness of that, Grace and peace will be multiplied to you. That took me a lot of years to learn that truth and discover the power of that passage of that verse that it doesn't require me to do anything other to sit and soak up his goodness and know more of him. So then faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. If you're listening to teach legalistic teaching about you, it tears down your faith, tears it down. The same truth also is applied to the words that you speak. If you speak doubt or unbelief, what are you hearing? You're hearing doubt and unbelief. 
Are you not? How do you pray when you pray to God? I love listening to the prayers of my children. Absolutely love it. Because they haven't learnt yet to pray in doubt. My daughter Kira, um, the other night, last night? I think it was last night. I was putting her to bed and she had a sore ankle. And we were in bed and she just prayed, God, I thank you that you've healed my ankle. Her ankle was still sore at that moment. God, I thank you that you have healed my ankle. Why? Because she knows the truth. In Jesus Christ, she is whole. In Jesus Christ, she is healed. In Jesus Christ, it is done. That's the kind of prayer that he's looking for. A prayer of truthfulness. A prayer that actually says, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. She woke up this morning and I said, Kira, how's your ankle? And she went, what ankle? What? She'd forgotten. No, no sore, no pain, because Jesus Christ healed it. Do you see that? I love telling stories like that. They're just little stories, but they're stories that build faith. Let's make sure that the words that we speak are words that build faith and not communicate doubt in ourselves. Speak that which you want to see. Communicate that which is not as though it is. Because in Jesus Christ, it is done. Jesus said, one who has faith as small as a mustard seed can say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and you will see it happen. Proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and see him deal with things in your life that you never expected. See his abundance, see his blessings flow to you. Live out of his richness, out of his glory, out of his peace, out of his joy. For these are yours. He is waiting for you to speak, to hear, to believe these truths so that you may receive. This is the goodness of the gospel. If we go back to Romans 1.16, it is the power of salvation. All we need to do is believe unto righteousness. Believe unto righteousness and continue to listen to things that will build your faith so that you can actually know more and discover more about him and who he is so that grace and peace will be multiplied to you. And as that grace and peace flows to you, what do you want to do? You want to know more about the giver of grace and peace, don't you? And when you learn more about the giver of that grace and peace, what does he do? He says, have more. Here's some more grace. Here's some more peace. Live and dwell here in this place. He's a good God, isn't he? Isn't he a good God? This is our saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the one who came to redeem you and said, I love you so much. I want you in my family. I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the adoption cost. Graham Mabry last week talked about the cost of adoption. And Jesus says, I want want you to be my brother. I want you to be my sister. I'm going to pay the cost that that can happen so that you can dwell with me in my Father's love and you can experience that. Hallelujah. How good is that? There's more in that chapter, but I'm going to stop there because I can smell lunch. Um, And my tummy is telling me that is enough. So let's just pray. Guys, you bow with me. Father, we thank you for the goodness of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you sent your son 
And you said, I will redeem you. You cannot, so I will in Jesus Christ. Father, we confess to you that he is our Lord and our Saviour. We believe that his righteousness has covered us and clothed us and that we are righteous, more righteous than anyone else on the face of this earth because it is Jesus Christ's righteousness that we're clothed in. Father, we choose to listen and to hear about your good things that you have done, that our faith will build up. We receive your goodness, your blessings, your grace, your truth, your peace, your joy. And we thank you that you have done it all. We stop trying now and we rest in Jesus Christ and say thank you for your righteousness, for your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love going through Romans. I hope you are enjoying it as much as I am. I'm sure you're probably not, but I am loving preparing it and going through it. Uh, So thank you for the opportunity to be up here and to uh, preach and teach. Uh, We're going to stand now before we have lunch and we're going to sing When All My Labours and Trials.